Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for stopping by. I really appreciate when you come by and listen to the show, and today we've got a great one for you. We're going to break this down into a couple different parts, and we're going to be talking to the founder and CEO of Be The Change HR, Lelani Quarry. Now, if you've listened to the show, you know Lelani has been on it a few times, and she's one of my reoccurring guests, and actually was my co-host in the Be Grateful show that we had in January of this year. Lelani, we're going to be talking about HR issues as we move into this post-COVID, getting people back to work. And we're going to be talking to her about her adventure. She had left California about 168 days or so ago and had been traveling this great country of ours and going to different spots and having these great experiences. We're not only going to talk about that, but how did she continue to grow her business during this time in a remote environment? So as an entrepreneur, if you're listening to the show or small business owner or medium-sized business owner for that matter, There's a lot of takeaways you are going to get from this show because really the focus and the commitment of building a culture that allows her to do this is very interesting and very exciting. And I know you're going to benefit from this. So I want you to stay tuned. This conversation is going to be great and you can take it in in bite-sized chunks or you can certainly listen to the entire show in one sitting. This is a very dynamic Uh, situation. And I'm really excited to have Leilani on board. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. My company, The Ponzi Group, provides consulting, interim, and fractional marketing and leadership services with a focus on the strategic and analytical side of marketing. We take a holistic approach to driving business growth. Consider us your marketing architects. We use research to gather the necessary insights from your customers, prospects, the competition, and the marketplace to develop fact-based approaches to building effective and efficient growth plans. And, much like a general contractor, we partner with internal teams or carefully selected vetted individuals and organizations to execute the strategies and plans, as well as provide oversight and management to ensure we stay on brand and plan. To learn more about our services, visit theponzigroup.com. As I mentioned, we're talking to CEO and founder of Be The Change HR, Lilani Quare. Lilani, welcome to the Business Growth Cafe. I am super happy to be back for the third time, I think. So I think it's the exciting. third for sure, maybe the fourth. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm so happy that I was able to track you down. Uh, where in the world or where in the U.S. is Lilani might be the name of this show. <laughs> oh, okay. So I am in Millinocket, Maine. I am in the most, I don't know how to grammatically say this correctly. I was saying easterly, northerly, but that's not correct. So I'm the, the most east and north, eastern and northern that I'm going to be on this trip right now. Well, technically on Thursday when I climb a mountain, but yeah. And I've been on the road. I just did the stats yesterday for 163 days. And I am 2,600 miles as a crow flies away from where I left um, in Chino, California. That that is amazing. I I you know I, I remember when you left. I remember you know certain conversations. 
And it actually took me a little while because I thought you were, you know, in Denver or, or Northern California and all of a sudden you're down in Texas and you're in Louisiana. I mean, you're all over the place. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, and I, and I do want to talk about that. So I'm going to break this, this podcast into two different shows, if you will, maybe not air them differently, but kind of our conversation in two different shows. Now you, you've been here before, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about business and business advice. So I want to, I want to chat a little bit about that because in this post COVID world, as people are starting to get back to work, I'm sure you're really busy because there's a lot of confusion out there about how to put, get people back in the office. But then I want to migrate over into your trip. And I, I have some, I hope really good questions for that. Um, I'm envious by the way. <laughs> but, uh, and, and, you know, there's a time in your life when you can do some of those things and there's a time in your life when you can't, unfortunately I'm in a time in my life when I can't, but I was fortunate enough to have opportunities to travel quite a bit, um, in my early days, but let's, let's kind of move in for, first of all, for the audience that haven't met you on your third or fourth, four times being on the show, why don't you explain to them who you are and what your business is? And now that I'm counting it, you are, you are right. It's four. This is the fourth time. So uh, I am Leilani Cure. I'm founder and CEO of Be The Change HR. We do human resources for small mid-market businesses. And then we're also a social enterprise. So we have this big philanthropic component where we teach free job readiness classes and do free job coaching to individuals who've been trafficked, homeless, and veterans in transition. We've got consultants all across the United States, including me, who keeps moving every other week, if not every week. And it's pretty funny because um, pre-COVID to now, about a third of my team have moved east, right? I was getting the calls like, I, I know, you know, I'm worried about telling you this, but I'm moving to, and then one by one, they kept moving east. So they used to mostly be in California, but now I've got them in Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, and uh, now North Carolina. Um, and there we are 10 strong. We're in our fourth year of business, uh, about to round out five, which is super excited, which marks the end, actually, of my trip. But the end of this trip, um, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit, will be the anniversary party that I've thrown every year camping in Joshua Tree. So I, I got to get back to California regardless of what I want to do. We're going to celebrate this company and, and all the people that surround it. Did, did COVID help your business expand? Ooh, yes and no. Um, we too have felt the effects of businesses um, who have been greatly impacted by this, right? We're not industry agnostic. So we have, we had clients in hospitality and in, in these industries that were really um, uh, affected and then by proxy us, right? Um, so in one way, we also, like every other business out there, had to ride the wave of what the heck is going to happen tomorrow? How am I going to support and help? And how are we all going to make it through this? And on the other part is, my team has always been fully virtual, right? It's, I sold them on it in the beginning. Like you rarely have to ever go to see clients in person. You can work from wherever. I don't care if you're in a, on a yacht in Greece, like just get the stuff done and you can work from wherever. Um, but it drastically changed for me because I was the only one that was going to see clients. I was in my car all day, every day. It seemed like to give it more like um, context of how much I drove around 
I put more miles on my car driving to and from Orange County and LA meeting potential clients, clients and networking than I have driving across the country. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, so that aspect changed a lot specifically for me to be able to view work in a different light solely for myself, right? Can I do this fully remote? Well, I had to, I had to do it fully remote. Mm -hmm. And then what does that look like for the future? Well, let's put this in context with your business then. Do you see that changing? Do you see kind of the dynamics of driving to LA from Orange County back and forth? I mean, do you fundamentally see the way you're going to run your business in year six different than you've done previously? Yes. Yes. Um, and that is the the idea that we can work fully virtual. And this is stuff that I'm preaching to our clients right now. But it is a difficult concept as a business owner when and I know you all like we've all heard it. You've all felt it. We're in I call it in the before. So we're in the before. You, we're so used to like having that face to face and being in clients offices and showing that we greatly appreciate them in that way. And then switching to virtual and then wondering, okay, what next? You know, can we fully live in this virtual world or not? Do we have to go back to normal? And this is this is what we're hearing at Be The Change HR with other businesses of how do how do you do that? How do you bring people back? How do you not? How do you continue to work virtual? Is there a hybrid? Um, and that's something I think almost all businesses unless they were making widgets and an or and or an essential business are dealing with right now. Okay, that's interesting. And yeah. and and with your team now, I mean you're not the the face. You're the face of the business, but you're not day-to-day. Yeah. -day. Other people can interface with your clients and things like that. Yes. Which is um, a huge huge change. Huge I mean, change. I can speak from my own, you know, growing my my agency when it was me. I would doing everything. And then all of a sudden I had people and, and then you allow those people to start having interfaces. And that's really for me where the expansion comes from for businesses like ours. I mean, you know, I'm a fractional CMO and you know that. And, and I now have other marketing people that support me, but they don't interface yet. And I know when I, they start to interface, interface, it'll start to change the dynamics of this business. It's very, very true. Um, my so my longest standing employees, we have I'm like super proud of this. So nobody's left since everyone was hired. Um, and my longest term employees are a, a year and a half now. Um, and in the very beginning, it was like just I don't know what analogy to use prying clients off of me. Like me saying flat out, I will no longer be client interfacing, but here's so and so she's amazing, which they all I try to make introductions where I tell like personal stuff about them. We tell them like their favorite food. And still to this day, I have a handful of clients who are like, no, 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 but I want to talk to you. And so and, and, and some of that is me. OK, you know, they're long term clients. Yes, I will talk to you. I'm not going to do the work. I have to hand it off to somebody else. Um, and that's been um um, not a challenge. It's been a, a mind shift for me. I announced to the team, I don't know how many months ago, that I'm not brushing up on my HR, you know, tactical day to day, the, the legal compliance anywhere near what I used to, not at all. And so now they are my experts. You ask me a question about COVID law and regulation in California, I'm going to be like, ask Chrissy, 
because we call her a COVID queen. Actually, I'm thinking of actually buying her a crown like she could wear around. <laughs> but she knows everything because she had all the clients that had all the crazy questions. Um, and so that that transition has happened for me where, you know, I've got big picture. I've got that executive HR mindset. But don't ask me what minimum wage is in California right now. I'm going to have to Google it. Like, I don't know. That's that's why I have these amazing experts um, on the team. And, and that's been an interesting transition. And the other thing is, you know, you 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 trust individuals to be client facing. And the best way that I can, you know, um, trust and the best way that I know that they will show as be the change HR, HR pros, we call them HR pros and the whole, the whole group we call a squad. So um, show as HR pros and a squad in general is just for me to, to treat them with love, kindness, respect, trust what they do. I back them up. I will, I will say this publicly. I will back them up before I back up a client um, because they come first, you know, and, 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 and because of that, I don't have to worry, you know, if they do make mistakes, they come out and tell me if something happens, like we, we tackle it together. Um, I support them fully, you know, hundred percent. And that, that piece makes it so much easier for me because I know the team will do anything if asked. I don't really ask them to do crazy stuff though, but you know, and that, and that helps with the transition too, is really living. What I'm saying is we're really living our core values. Well, I mean, you're creating such a incredible culture of, of, for your people, clients come and go. I mean, that was always our philosophy at the agency. It's like, and, and even today, I mean, clients come and go. I mean, I had a client last fall that literally would, pray, you know, sing my praises and, Uh you know, without him, it didn't happen. And then all of a sudden they didn't get their funding and, you know, the relationship ends. So clients just do come and go, but you try to foster a relationship where people can feel comfortable, do the work to your point, be honest and direct. Mm -hmm. And, and in you providing that foundation is, is so essential in growing. Otherwise, there are people walking around on eggshells all the time and afraid to tell you that they screwed up. I mean, I even I even have a like a a list of what they like to do. I know what they like and don't like to do. That's how I pair them with clients. I know what personalities are good for them. And then on top of that, um, when something happens, they will come tell me. 100% 100% how they feel, which sometimes is hard, right? Like, I don't like that guy. I don't like the way he talks to me, right? I'm not going to turn around and tell them like, well, he's a client, you know, I'm like, okay, how can we tackle this? You know, and maybe we can hand it off to someone else. Maybe we can phase you out and phase someone else in. And then we get the times where something like bad happened. Well, he cussed at me and then I get protective. <laughs> this is such a thing there where I'm like, uh-uh, like, oh no, he did it, you know? And, and we've left clients because of that. Um, but I know, um, I'm doing this. Um, I, I, what's a good word for it? Like, I really mean what I say. So um, if if something does happen, I'll, I'll back them up because I know, you know, everyone's in, intentions are good in the situation. And, and I want them to enjoy what they do. I mean, that's the point. Right. And I, I'm, I'm trying to I'm doing the same thing in my personal life. Like, I want people to enjoy the work, enjoy what they do, feel good about it, be praised and take some money home. Right. Yeah, so. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting. Now we've known each other three years. Huh? Yeah. About three years. It, in, I see in this conversation today, or I hear, for those of you listening on the podcast, um, there's a, a, a significant change in who you are as a leader 
how do you feel? Tell me, tell me how you've progressed in your mind as a leader. And I think this is important because, you know, three years ago as a fractional HR solopreneur mm-hmm. with a vision, and you've been executing against that vision and really moving in the, in the direction of doing what you're doing. And I want to ask you about long-term in a second, but how, how do you feel you have progressed as a, as a leader? Ooh, um, okay. So, so much. Like, like start from day one, like you get so excited about doing the thing and you're like full steam ahead. And I know all of us have done this in the beginning. Um, you work your butt off. You work. I'll talk about myself. I work myself into the ground where I would be in a puddle of anxious tears at least once every two weeks. And I, I figured this, I can't do that. Right. Like I got to figure a way around that. And then just started building tools in that respect. Um, when I made the decision to bring people on board, I made it about seven or eight months before I even started recruiting and to, to, you know, um, a little of what you do, Angelo, it became a, okay, I need to work on my brand. It needs to reflect the idea of you need to hire another you. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I just need to have a brand and a culture that embodies these core values that people like about me. Right. One of the top mm. ones is fun. Like next month for our happy hour, I'm having a drag queen come in and do drag queen bingo with the team right? <laughs> to make sure like, okay, let's have some fun mm-hmm. together. But our, our core values are uh, fun, reliable, calming, because what clients would say about me is I feel so much better. You're here. Right. Um, um, I forgot the other one. calling fun reliable and all the other one will come to me but I hired against that like the first three the first three interviews were nothing but that in fact I didn't even look at the resume until the very end we didn't talk about you know HR qualifications until the very end it was you fit these core values and um and and as a leader and realizing I'm stepping back into that role, but in a much different way, I'm also going to be be in an environment where I'm going to have other things that businesses have to do thrown at me um, that I really doubled down on my own personal development. So I will openly talk with I have a therapist. I think everybody needs a therapist off and on in their life anyway. But I have I have a therapist. I have a coach. I enrolled in a year long program all with the idea that I wanted to set myself up um, to take on this next piece of life and building this business and also not putting my shit on other people. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't want to put my baggage on them. I want to be super aware. And so I I think that's what you're seeing. I'm, I'm, you know, and I don't cry basically ever due to business. (laughs) I'm not as stressed out as I used to be, even though the stakes are much higher right now. I've gotten nine people who I help in in essence, either feed their family or buy them nice shoes, whatever they decide to do with their money. You know, I know um, that's part of this too. And and that there can be pressure in that as well. Well, there's a lot of pressure as you, you add people. I mean, and you grow and, and I love what you just said, because a lot of times people grow and they don't feel responsible for the people. And, and I felt that pressure as we grew and we got to 23, 24 people knowing very well that if we weren't doing our job to make sure the clients were happy, bringing in new business, that ultimately we may have to let somebody go, which means it's not just, you know, deleting headcount and saving some dollars for the agency. 
we were affecting families. And, mm-hmm. and so that weigh, weighed on me. It still weighs on me when I bring in people to help. And I've worked for people that could care less about individuals. And that was bothersome. As a matter of fact, that was a, and I won't go down a rabbit hole on this, but that was actually a, a deciding factor in wanting to get out of a very lucrative consulting gig. Because I eventually came to the conclusion I could not deal with the CEO and the way she treated people. They were just mm. commodities to her. And, and it really bothered me, and especially in this one instant. And I, that was the straw breaker for me. And I won't put up with that stuff. And, and neither will you. Yeah, you know, I, I don't, you can do both, right? You can you can make money and make impact. You can make money and 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 really enrich other people's lives, whether working in your org or out. Um, and and I like I like that about our story. You know, I I will say a lot of times when I speak, um, it was never about the money, but the money just comes. Last year we tripled our revenue over the year prior. You know, this year we're looking to do something the same. And um, and, and, and I've never really just focused on that. It was like, okay, how can we create a great workplace? How can we do great work? And how can we also help individuals who've in our, in our, in dire need and had really terrible situations happen to them, make it to that next step for them by getting healthy, gainful employment. So I, I like all of that. And then, you know, money's nice too. And it comes, it comes with it. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, as you build your rep and, 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 and of expansion and people get to know you. I mean, it, it, it does work that way, right? It does come that mm-hmm. way and it takes time and, and that's what you've done. And you've built a great foundation for your business. Where do you see it in five years? Oh, that's a great, that's a great question. Um, and, and I was talking to uh, my coach for the last couple of days about like the goals for the future and, and something fun we landed on, which is we're not going to do that, which I know is counterintuitive to what coaches really do. Um, so five years from now is, is a, I feel like a long way out. Um, I do know at one point I want to, and this is something I'll, with my team, with anyone, I'm always super transparent. I'll want to exit in some way. And I'm thinking that's, you know, um, how old am I right now? In about eight years, I think I'll do that. Um, but I want to expand and grow across the U.S., you know, have more consultants that do the two things that our HR pros do right now. And that is, you know, great HR work, small mid-market businesses, and then also teaching our classes and do our doing our job coaching. The larger that we get, the more nonprofits we can work with and the more individuals we can reach to help with that skill. I'm also in beginning research phases to do a social enterprise who staffs trauma victims. So a staffing agency specifically for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm really excited about that. I started talking to doctors and lawyers. So doctors for the, um, the, the, the psychological safety aspect of what that means to place someone who's been through trauma. And then the other is lawyers because we just need you, you lawyers. <laughs> I remember the first check I wrote was to an attorney in this business. So, you know, when you get the new checks and they're not real checks, they're like fake checks from the yeah, bank. Yeah. And I remember writing out like a $250 check to an attorney for a contract. I'm like, here we go. But we need y'all. Um, and so and we I, love you, by the way. Yeah, we love we all do. your attorneys. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I just see it expanding and growing across the U.S. And, 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 and making more impact and being able to measure and report all that. We're doing um, a lot of uh, metrics behind 
um, you know, what our impact is on how many people we coach and what percentage of our net income is going to all of this and really having some markers. And we're certifying B Corp. So just if I were to dream, dream, I, you know, I want to be the HR consulting firm that is a social enterprise across the U.S. that's known for the two things that we do, HR work and then helping individuals get back to work from those difficult situations. Well, I mean, it sounds like obviously you've, you've, you've got a plan, you're working your plan and have a vision. It, it, and, and I commend you on that. I mean, it's so many times we talk to businesses, I think for probably in both our situations, you're saying you're 30 years old and you are still trying to figure it out. I mean, how did you survive these, these times? And, 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 and a lot of folks just don't work. They don't spend the time on their business. And that's what I'm hearing from you. And I preach that all the time. So you have to invest time thinking about your business and how do you grow? How do you make those expansions? How do you accomplish the things you want to accomplish? doesn't happen just because we say we want it to happen, right? We have to plan it and work it. And, and, and that's really commendable. You know, the, the, the exit part is interesting. And, and, I've, and I've been fortunate I had an exit once. And at the end of the day, which was, and I'll say it's similar, right? We said earlier, clients come and go. But it's that foundation. It's who we are and that ability. So when we were exiting and selling the business, it was right around 9-11. And all of a sudden, clients were dropping like flies because everybody got scared, just like, frankly, they did in the beginning of COVID. Everybody got scared and stopped spending marketing dollars. And the most interesting thing that was said to us was, we don't care. We don't care about your clients. We care about you, care about your team, because your team built what we want to build. You've already proved to us you know how to do it. Therefore, you know, we're still going to acquire your business, just like the deal we've been putting together. We don't care how many clients actually come with you. And I thought that was extremely interesting because at the end of the day, you know, clients come and go, but it's you and the infrastructure and the way you've set it up and that business idea. So where am I going with this? When you exit, don't expect to get out that very day <laughs> because, <laughs> because they'll probably lock you into a contract to make sure that you can continue to help sure. guide them and build them. And, and, and that's what we did. And, and we had a two-year contract. We went eight years before wow. they decided to absorb us and move us to another city. And you know, we chose not to go. But up until that point, I mean, we just continued. We, we, you know, I always say we actually started off and zeroed out again, and we built about 28 million before we, you know, got moved and decided that, you know, I had young kids, I didn't want to move to a different city and uproot everybody. But, but yeah, it's, it's all possible with the kind of service businesses that we have. Yes. And attorneys, I'm laughing sort of in my head because I, I have an attorney friend who's like, okay, if you're going to do this, you got to start planning like five years ahead. I'm like, what? Okay. That's like a couple years from now. Um, but it is good to do that. So I'm, I'm starting to even think about that. What is, what is the exit? What is the plan? And one of the things I'm entertaining, which is very much part of my values in this team is maybe I sell it to the team. Maybe we do an ESO, you know, P. ESOP, yeah. Yeah. And then, and, and, and that could be the option. That would be super cool too, but we'll, we will see right now. Uh, we are just, we are targeting for the end of the year, the, the goals that we have this year. And a lot of them actually have to do with surrounding marketing, which is such a mystery to me. I don't know how any of this stuff, it's, it's like, um, I make a joke with the team. You just throw stuff to the wall and see if it sticks. And then if it does, like you do it again. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's not in my marketing playbook, by the way. Oh, <laughs> you know, it, it, you know, it, it's about, it's about having clarity. It's about understanding relevancy. 
you know, you're, you're communicating with, well, it's HR and like mine is marketing, but at the end of the day, it's, it varies and it's different relevancies to based on the businesses. And so, you know, my speak is if I'm talking to tech people, it's a little different if I'm talking to, you know, consumer products people. There's still a foundation of what we offer, unlike our clients who might be in a lot of different verticals and their messages isn't going to change. But it's about consistency and you're very consistent in your messaging and the way you do it. And it's just striking that balance of what's going to trigger them. Is it is it the, the charitable giving, if you will, and, and that kind of work that you do in the nonprofits? Or is it about helping them? you know, uh, sidestep any employee issues. I mean, you're looking for what's the trigger and in what's going to get them to pick up the phone. The rest of your messaging and the rest of why you should believe us and who we're about is going to be able to be delivered, but you're looking for that trigger point. Mm. What do you, um, what kind of calls are you getting? I mean, what's, what right now in this kind of, as we're moving into this post-COVID world, why are businesses calling you? What's their biggest I've, fear? I've got a great example that just happened last week. This is a manufacturing company with an office staff. This manufacturing company hasn't stopped, right? They didn't shut down. They're still making their product. And then the office staff has been working remotely. And the CEO of this company, a $25 million uh, company, um, called me, didn't want to talk to her HR pro. <laughs> She's like, let me, I want to talk to you. I said, okay, I'll talk to you. Um, and it was, you know, I told my staff I wanted them to come back June 28th. And my two people on my C-suite said, no, we're staying home. Just flat out told her no. And the others, um, some are complaining. They don't want to come back. What do I do? You know, and those are the questions that we're getting as it pertains to the the new, new, you know. And um, my, my discussion with her was, so our, our team, which I offer this to anyone who's listening, if you'd like a copy, I'll give it to you for free. Um, we created a, a survey called Taking Employee Temps back in May of last year when we thought the pandemic would be over by, you know, July, <laughs> where <laughs> which I'm laughing, but we really thought that, right? And it's an easy uh, 12 question survey. Six of the questions are multiple choice. The other one are open ended and it asks employees anonymously how they're thinking and feeling about returning to work. Um, and she had uh, given that to them four months ago. She said, I did the survey well, was four months ago. Things are changing on. It seems like a weekly basis. Uh, since then, we've added some questions about the vaccine in there because there are certain regions that um, can require it. There are certain requirements when it comes to what was it? I think Santa Clara County. They have like a, you, you have to register everyone in your organization is getting a vaccine. It's crazy. Um, but I said, let's do that first. Right. Let's let's ask everybody again how they're thinking and feel about returning to work and also add those vaccine questions. We got to do that uh, and then take that data and figure out where are our gaps and how can we bridge those gaps with bringing people back to work? And then from there, what does that look like? And so um, we're doing that with her now. We're considering a hybrid model. Um, they are uh, they they design things for what they make, and they design beautiful things. So I do understand the CEO wanting people in the same room to talk about the products and the colors and the marketing of it. Um, and, and so um, she did ask for three. She's now considering two days. These two days will be packed with the 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 team. Uh, 
um, kind of building things that they need to do or stuff around their, their marketing campaigns or, or whatever that is. And then the rest will be from home. Um, but I do think to, to tackle that, the mindset of like, what I say goes, isn't the best way to go. Mm -hmm. Um, by the way, also the job markets are opening up like crazy. Just drive down the street. I'm seeing across the country because I'm driving across the country. He, these help wanted signs and I'm hearing people needing, you know, to recruit for roles. So, um, that's the biggest thing. And then, and then our suggestion to people is like, talk to your people, ask them, I think two, two part anonymous survey, and then one-on-one, -on -one, if you can do that with your people to talk to them, to really get to know where they're coming from. Um, and then, and then bring back people safely according to CDC guidelines too, and all the stuff that they come up with seems like again, every week. Um, so that's the, that's the biggest thing right now. Okay. So what, one, one more question in this, um, this section, if you will, when you think about growing your business, you that I've asked you this question before. I think I've asked you this question every time you're on the show. So I'm going to ask it again. <laughs> when you think about growing your business, what keeps you up at night? Ooh. I mean, I sleep really well, but <laughs> yeah. the thing that gives me the most anxiety, I would say right now, is the things that don't come naturally to me. And right now, you know, I, with everything that we do, I have, I reach out to professionals that do that, the thing, right? And um, we needed to increase sales and, and a sales, a, you know, a fractional salesperson flat out told me, I told him everything was going on. And then he's, he's like, okay, I already know what's going on, but keep going. I'm like, no, 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 you just, just tell me. Um, and he said, well, you have a marketing organization. You don't have a sales organization. That's why you aren't making sales as quickly. And I was like, and then he started explaining it. I thought, oh, my God. <laughs> you know, you could, and I think that's what keeps me up at night. And I will say this, and again, in, in full vulnerability, part of the stuff that we do in that realm, some of it was vanity items. And I knew that, too. Oh, this would be fun to have, but it costs money. You know, can we spend, you know, our money in this area right now? Oh, but the team likes it. Oh, but, you know, and those types of things. And I sort of let some things keep going and keep going. And then all of a sudden I'm like, wait, you know, if I want to make these sales goals, there's, I have to put my attention and the company's money elsewhere. And so right now that's the thing that I'm like, okay, I got to focus on this because I am not by nature a hunter. Right. I love yeah. cultivating relationships. I'm amazing at that because I care, you know, um, but to go in for the kill, so to speak, to start um, getting out there and prospecting is not natural to me. I like the long game. Like, why can't I just build amazing relationships and have it come in that way? But we're being more aggressive now. I'm learning how to do that. And so that's that's the thing that's making me uncomfortable right now. But I, I like it, you know, at, by nature of what I like to do for adventure. I like things that make me uncomfortable. Um, and so I'm up for it, but it also gives me like, I have to force myself to do things. I have to make sure I make time. I have to focus on, I have to ask a lot of questions so I can get out there and, and learn the new thing. Yeah. Well, I think as a business leader too, I mean, we're, we're always learning. I mean, mm -hmm. it, it, there's, you know, we're inundated every day with, with new technology, with new strategies, things that people do. We're reading about other businesses and trying to learn from their successes or mistakes and, and so it is a lot of questions. I mean, there, there was a point in time that 
you know, I, I, I want to say I was shy, but I certainly wasn't as outgoing as I am right now. <clears throat> and I'd go into a networking meeting and man, I, you know, I was the, I was the eighth graders, you know, the guy sitting on the other side of the room watching the, you know, the girls on the other side of the room. I, I just didn't know how to engage. And so to learn that skill and to have that opportunity to really dig in and build relationships, which I think is key, they're going to lead to better relationships and longer term sales than just trying to, Hey, how are you? You know, let me right. take on your business. Right. And so it is a long game. It takes time. And I'm sure you've been there and I've certainly been there. I mean, I get, I've gotten phone calls recently from folks that I met a year ago mm-hmm. and have had some conversations with, or maybe played golf with. And all of a sudden it's like, Hey, I got this lead for you. It, and I just nurture him because, you know, we're talking to folks, lawyers, right. That aren't necessarily doing what we need every day to drive our businesses, but we keep those relationships. So we're top of mind. And that's, that's what you've been doing. So I'm going to segue now. Okay. So you've been traveling for yeah. a, a year, right? Oh, I, it, it, I don't even, I, it, 163 days. Okay. 163 days. Yeah. So we're about a third of a year. Yeah. So first of all, what was the motivation? You're traveling the United States, but what was the motivation? Why did you say, I'm going to start traveling the country? So many things. Um, but I, I, I've, I've said this story so many times I can like trundicate it so well. COVID happened. I was the only person in this organization that was seeing people face to face. I started working remotely. A kid graduated high school. And for the first time in my adult life, basically my adult life, I was able to kind of uproot. Um, in the summer, I took a test trip. I went, I stayed in Palm Springs for a couple months and then went to Chicago and back. And in that trip, I decided I'm going to sell all my stuff and do the same thing and start a journey. And so I did. I came back in October because company anniversary party started slowly selling all my stuff. Prior to that, though, I had been like um, reducing stuff for years. Uh, It just something I would, you know, why do I need this? Why am I holding on to the thing? So when I got back, um, it, it wasn't so hard to go through all of my stuff. And by the time I had um, sold everything, I only had enough stuff to put in a five by 10 storage. And the only reason I got a, I got a five by 10 is because I didn't, I, my bed was brand new and I love the mattress. And I was like, why are you going to sell something you sleep so well in? So I, you know, I, I put that in storage and then um, said goodbye on Christmas day and started driving East. Um, I drove east and then my first long-term stay was in Dallas, Texas, but that's it in general. Um, I'm a, I'm such an adventure. Normally you wouldn't find me at home any weekend, um, you know, always going out mm-hmm. and climbing mountains, doing all that kind of stuff. But I was, you know, very wonderfully. So, uh, wouldn't leave for more than a week at a time. I had a kid. Uh, and so this, this, this whole opportunity presented itself. And this next phase happened. Of course, I talked to him about it. He's like, yeah, I remember him saying, live your life, mom. I was like, okay. Um, and then I just, like I said, I headed, I headed east. And I decided I was going to make a huge loop around the country, um, following basically the ocean. So if you, I'm in Maine now. So you can imagine what I, I've gone all of the south, down to Florida, up the east coast. And this is the furthest north and east I will go. Um, and then I'm going to starting next Saturday, head West for the first time. So that's kind of exciting. Was there, was there a plan? I mean, did you just 
Besides that, no. Yeah, besides just get in the car and start driving. I mean, obviously you pick Dallas as a first destination, but yeah. is it just city to city and you're uh, you're doing kind research of. prior to making the next stop? So those of you who know ProVisors, ProVisors is a nationwide networking network, networking mm-hmm. network of professionals. And what I decided is I would stay longer term in some of those regions. And that is Dallas, Atlanta, New England, Chicago, and Seattle. So I stayed longer in Dallas. I stayed longer in Atlanta. I'm staying longer in the New England region. The, uh, they're all over the place. So I thought it would all be like New York centric. No, they're like, they're all over. Um, and then just guest at the different meetings and meet new people with no expectation. Um, and so that sort of also gives the framework of it. It also, I can write this off because IRS, this is business. So (laughs) (laughs) should I edit that out? (laughs) No, 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 no. My, my tax guy said I could. So I got, got, yeah. And he's a super honest guy. (laughs) Yeah. Amazing guy. Um, and then in between I would book, um, places I hadn't heard of or places I wanted to go to like new Orleans. I went to new Orleans. Uh, I've, in this journey quickly realized um, I don't like cities. I don't know what it is about having to find parking that just makes me so nervous. And um, all the, all the, the noise and the people, and this is even during, you know, the pandemic. And so now in between the larger cities, I'm gravitating towards middle of nowhere places. Like last week I was in Bremen, Maine, um, staying in an apartment above a Marine services um office uh, on a dock in an inlet uh, overlooking um, a bunch of lobster boats, um, like a town of 800 people. And I was just happy as a clam or happy as a lobster, happy as a free lobster. Free free lobster, because yeah, depending on where you are in Maine, you're not uh, not a happy lobster because you're you're on somebody's dinner table. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And that's been, that's sort of been the thing that I'm gravitating to now, as in the beginning, I was like city. And then by the time I got to Atlanta and I stayed there for a while, I was like, I don't, I don't know if I like this so much, but this is also a journey for me. And like, what's in this next phase, which feels so weird because if you can see me, this, it's just weird. I don't look as old as I am. My kid, when I look at him, like he's like six, two, I'm like, where did, how did that happen? Um, and so, and, and then I don't know where I'm going to live or what I'm going to, I mean, all of that is up in the air right now, but this is a, such a fun journey to, to think about, you know, well, what do I want to do next? And mm-hmm. I get to see this beautiful country, like yeah. so beautiful. And, and, and so I use Zillow. I'm like, okay, I like this area. Like, okay, you know, 10 acres and a house, like show me, like it'll, it'll pop up and show me. So I have some ideas on some of my favorite places, but we'll see. I don't know. I don't know where I'm staying um, two weeks from now, let alone where I'm going to live at the end of this. Well, certainly, you know, as we live here in California and you move across the country, I mean, the housing changes dramatically. And to your point, depending on where you are, you go to the big cities, that's one thing, but there's so many great places that are not sitting in a major city and uh, that you're experiencing. I, I assume you like lobster, right? You had a chance to eat some lobster up in Maine? I did. I did. Uh, um, I've had three lobster rolls so far, and they are all excellent, amazing. Someone told me they were cheaper. I don't know what a cheap lobster roll is supposed to be, but the cheapest one I had was $16. Is that, yeah, I don't know, doesn't sound too cheap to me, but that's okay. No. That's okay. Did, what are, um, so, so I'm going to take it back just to business. Can, 
Can you, is this experience shaped you at all in your business thinking? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and, and I'll approach this from how other people viewed it because as, as strong of a constitution I have, it still stings a little when I feel like I'm judged. And so in the beginning, when I started out, you know, some of the comments or, you know, people say stuff, you know, it's like a comment about you. It's like, well, I wouldn't be able to do X, Y, Z. So in the beginning it was like, well, what about COVID? And one person actually told me, how does it feel spreading COVID all over the U.S.? I was like, I don't know. Oh, and I'm, <laughs> and I'm solo. Like I'm like a traveling quarantined human, you know? Um, or like, well, what do your clients think? Or do they know what's going on? Or how do you prospect? Do they care where you're at? And slowly that's been a little bit quieted, obviously, because we're in this different environment. So how it shaped me is um, I've been given more permission to build the life that I wanted in 2025. I said by 2025, I wanted to work fully remote and I wanted to work from anywhere in the world. It just so happened by beauty of this pandemic that I got the opportunity to see what that looks like um, now. And I and now I know what the ultimate barriers are. And now I know that it doesn't matter if I tell a prospective client I'm in BFE in Maine and, and I'm doing this thing. It doesn't change mm-hmm. um, the service that we provide individuals. It doesn't change my team. They've already been virtual it doesn't change any of that. And if it, we just so need to be on site, we can make that happen, right? There's things like planes. Um, you can get places in a, in, a, in, a, in a decent amount of time. So for me in business, it's really opened my eyes. I think like a lot of other people of a different type of life. And so I talked a little bit about me and my co- coach is Chris King, by the way. Okay. Um, I know Chris. Yeah. yeah. Um, he was on your show and I listened to that one. That was an amazing one. If y'all haven't heard it, you should listen to that one. And, and so part of this is, um, really like being in the moment and enjoying all of this. I mean, I, how fortunate am I? I'm in Maine. All I need is my laptop. Well, my ring light, that's always helps. And, um, Wi-Fi, and I, that's it, you know, a roof over my head, and I, I failed to mention the vehicle by which I've been driving and carrying all my stuff is a two-seater Mazda Miata. So there's no back seat to stuff things in. Like I have my laptop bag, my carry-on bag with my clothes, a, a backpack with my toiletries. And then what takes up the most of my room is my backpacking, hiking, climbing gear, and my golf clubs in the, in the passenger seat. So it, it's you don't need a lot, you know, and I think people are learning that on a larger scale, right? Do you really need that office? You know, um, do you really, I mean, for me, it's like, do I really, I mean, I own one pair of high heels right now and I rarely wear them because we're always sitting on these calls. I'm just sitting in my socks. So um, it just opened up a huge, wonderful, very, I'm very grateful for world of opportunity um, to, to live and to, to work uh, and to, to drive this company and, and my passion for that and the impact that it has, I'm, I'm super grateful. Well, it's interesting. I mean, it, it from a min- minimalist standpoint, I mean, you've certainly become that. I think I've, we've talked before. I've, my oldest son is is like that. I remember he's been traveling the world mostly 
And I remember that day I picked him up to take him to the airport and his entire life fit in the trunk of my car. He had gotten rid of everything. And, and to this day, the, he bought an elect. So he, so he's traveled the world. He's actually for the last six months been in Northern California, which now we just took a job and he's moving to Denver. And the, the only possession he really has besides his clothes and the stuff that fits in his backpack, he, he had bought an electric bike earlier on mm-hmm. as his vehicle, which he's never had a vehicle before. And then he, he finally broke down and bought a car because he needed it for what he's doing. But, but that's like 12 years without a car. I mean, he just never had uh, felt like he needed it. So that's really cool. And, and I commend you on what you're doing and it's proving to, to, we can do a lot of different things. We're not bound by the office. I mean, I have the high rise, you know, I've had the home office. I have the high rise office. I've worked, you know, those environments and here I'm back. And people say, you know, don't you, don't you, where, where do you go for your office? I go, I go right here. If I need people to meet with me, I'll have them come to the house. I mean, there was a point in time when I had my agency before we moved into a, an office, I used to have seven people coming to the house every day. I had structured it. So in this office, I can actually house five people. Um, so again, you can be anywhere these days and work to your point. I have a laptop, you know, a camera and a, and a light and you're good to go. What are, uh, you know, so I, I, you know, we're, we're connected on Facebook. So I do see some of your adventures. Yes. Uh, I saw the, the rock climbing one the other day where you're kind Thank of you. in between two little rocks and, yep. and, and so what's, <laughs> tell me about some of those adventures, but give me the, give me the, the, the one you loved the most and maybe one that scared the crap out of you. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I started hiking. I don't even know how many years ago. I, I'm like, go big or go home. I mean, I guess most people that listen to the show who are entrepreneurs, we, that's how we are. Right. Yep, yep. So I woke up and I was, I'm going to go hiking, but I wanted to hike a mountain in my backyard. And that was Mount Baldy, Mount San Antonio. It's 10,000 feet in Southern California. And then I just caught a bug from that point on. All I wanted to do was summit mountains. Some years had passed and I stopped counting at 50 50 summits over 10,000 feet, um, climb 14ers. And then I, I was like, ah, you know, I can only do this activity hiking. And then I backpacking, by the way, I started backpacking at one point in the summer. Like I don't have the other skills to climb mountains. So, um, very unnaturally when I tell climbers this, they, they're like, what? So very unnaturally I skipped rock climbing and I went straight to ice climbing um, found someone on Instagram I'd followed was like, Hey, if you ever want to take a newbie out and he's like, yeah, you need to learn how to belay and that's how to use the rope safely. So I went to a climbing gym once or twice. We did that. And then my first climb was out in, um, June Lake in Mam near Mammoth. Yep. Yep. And they have, um, a site called roadside, you know, all these routes will have fun names. This is called roadside. And there was a group being guided next to me. And then I'm with just a mountaineer person. And um, I'm watching them slide and, you know, they're barely making it up this ice. And so Dave is his name. He's explaining how to do the stuff. And I'm like, okay. So I get on the wall and up once I top out. So I topped out. That means you go all the way to the top and then you come down. You don't like say, okay, I'm done. Lower me. You you top out. And then the next time I climbed and I climbed fast and I thought this is like amazing. And then he moved me to a high, like a harder route. And I did that one. And there was like a bulb of ice and I went over it and it was just a whole amazing thing. 
and, and it was him and other guys, by the way. And normally when I do these activities, it's usually men. And I was so proud of how my body handled it, how even though I was afraid and shaking, we call it the fear shakes and climb. I need your knee. It's kind of an uncontrollable shake. I still push myself past that point. I topped out. Um, so when they lowered me, they were like hugging me and I was so excited, but I was also around a bunch of men. So I ran out into a snowbank. I told him I had to go to the bathroom, but I ran out into a snowbank and I started just bawling. And I was just like to myself, like, I'm so thankful for my body and I'm so thankful for this experience. And I was just so elated that I did this thing, but I didn't want them to see me cry. So I ran away and cried, <laughs> happy cried about that. And that was my, one of my favorite moments. And, and I just caught the bug from then on out. And, you know, I'm trying to go with the mountain ascent association and do climbs there. And then, um, some of the sketch moments, it's just, I mean, just imagine any of you who do climb or don't, you know, a great example is, you know, you're up on a rock, you're halfway in between, you know, the top of the rope and the bottom, you're being suspended by a rope that is less than an inch thick, your feet are, you know, holding you on little itty bitty nubs of rock, if anything, and your hands are in tiny little cracks. And you're just like, what is wrong with me? (laughs) Like this crazy type of activity. So I've had many moments like that where I actually get scared. And so what I'll do, if you ever, anyone ever starts climbing, what I'll do is I'll, I will tell the person I'm going to rest and I will release myself from the rock and rest on the rope and, and feel like how safe I really am before I try to, to climb again. But it does th- those moments where you, you keep slipping and sliding, you're sliding off rock, you're smashing into I me. Mean, it's why we wear helmets that it does get a little um, frustrating and, and, and a little bit, scary but I haven't had any moments where I'm like we call it epicking that's where you shouldn't have come out um but I don't know if I'll ever get to that extreme I like um my body intact and I like my life so I don't know how crazy I will get in these types of adventures so most of it has been in the climbing role was that kind of your hiking and climbing hiking climbing snow climbing there was one situation where we were climbing a chute so that is in a, in a bowl of a mountain, the jaggedy side, the snow will make shoots and you can snow climb up it with ice axes and uh, crampons. And I took someone who hadn't done that for the first time. She was ahead of me and she's like, oh, let's go left. And I wasn't thinking because we were just physically going. We ended up on a route that we shouldn't have been on, that we needed fall protection, that if either of us took a slip, we would have slid right down the side of that mountain a good, I don't know, half mile um, you learn techniques to save yourself in those situations. Um, but that's me knowing I need to be more mindful. If like, if someone says, you know, I'm going to go ahead, like make sure that they're going on the right route before we head up on something that we shouldn't be on. Okay. Yeah. Any, any, uh, any plans for where you're at today? I mean, is there any mountains yes. up that way? I'm so happy you asked. Um, Thursday, I had to clear my calendar because it was the only day I could get a pass. I am climbing Mount Katahdin, which is a, the highest mountain in Maine, the exit point for the Appalachian Trail, the AT, um, and it has a route called the Knife's Edge. I love the names they give these. Yeah. Knife's Edge, and it is somewhat of a rock climb with 1,000-foot drops, but I won't be using fall protection. I should be, I should be fine without it, listen when I say that. Um, and so that will be Thursday's quest to summit that mountain and climb knife's edge and come back in one piece with just some probably scrapes and bruises, but nothing beyond that. Okay. So is there a book in the works? 
I'm so glad you asked. So in, 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 a, in a time span of, I would say, 48 hours, over a dozen people asked me if I was going to write a book. So I, I called someone who specializes in that and just had a conversation behind um, writing a book about this year, um, possibly um, about a, a longer period than that. But yeah, I'm, I am seriously considering either writing a business book based on being a nomad CEO, which is what I am this year. Mm-hmm. Or um, just the adventure in general. Well, I think maybe there's two books. Yeah, maybe. Maybe there's three. I don't know. We'll see. You know, but I, I started making sure I'm recording everything at least to you know capture the, the emotion and everything because I mean that's the the feelings are the best parts, even the hard ones. Because I'll tell you, I've been solo most of this time in a pandemic away from my family and friends. And there have been moments where it's not so glamorous and so wonderful. And I'm like, I miss all the people. And, and then trying to find ways of, of um, you know, moving emotionally around that as well. Well, I think there, I would imagine, I don't think, but I'll imagine there's certainly highs and lows is from that emotional standpoint. Like you said, it's, there's a, there's an excitement, but a lot of times I would imagine you're sitting in, you know, whatever Airbnb or apartment and you're just by yourself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I've been there before I understand. And so I know that in itself becomes challenging and that, that's when you start getting in your head and starting to think, but you've been doing this quite a while now. So I'm sure that has minimized yeah. how, how much you uh, think about all the other stuff. And to your point, you're going to turn West and that'll be the new quest to get back and, and see friends and family. And yeah, that'd be very exciting. So this, uh, I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, it's been fun, uh, really catching up. I mean, we, we've chatted. I've seen you in the provisor meetings, as we talked about, but certainly not a chance to, to kind of explore from a business and a personal level. And, and I, I hope you've enjoyed this conversation as, as yeah. much as I have. I definitely have. Thank you, Angela. Yeah. So one last question. Mm-hmm. What inspires you to get up every day? And do nature. The things you do. nature. Yeah. I mean, inspires me in general. I would say nature does. It's so cleansing. So like the, the moments where I'm not feeling great, having a difficult week, I'm trying to work through something. Um, I mindfully will make sure I get out and go to nature. And it, it, it inspires me back to a ground level. And, and I love that. And then the other part is I know my purpose in life at least this juncture at this age right now is to inspire others. And that is across the board from how I'm living my life to the company that I'm building. And, and that keeps me going even in the times when things are tough because running a business is is not easy. It is like ice and rock climbing, right? (laughs) (laughs) It totally is. Um, But it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth those moments when you're running out into a snowbank and crying because you're so grateful for all the things that you've been you've been giving and the, given and the experiences that you have. So both those things. Well, well, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I mean, it's uh, it, your journey and what you're doing is very inspirational. Like I said, we've known each other about three years now, and I've got to see that evolution of who you are as a person and your business. And I'm grateful for the friendship and grateful for you to be on the show. And so why don't we tell the, why don't we, why don't you <laughs> tell the audience, where they can reach you and how they can connect with you, how they can learn more about you, take advantage of all the, the stuff you have on your site and things like that. 
Yeah. Any social platform you can find, just type in Be The Change HR and you will find us. If you want to follow my journey for the rest of this, you're welcome uh, to follow me on Instagram. And that's uh, Leilani underscore grams. Um, and then also on LinkedIn as well. Um, I put content that is nowhere else on LinkedIn. Um, and I encourage you to follow me. Um, find my name in this podcast, though, because it's hard to spell. And then you're welcome to email me, Leilani, L-E-I-L-A-N-I at bethechangehr.org. All right. Well, Leilani, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. And have a great climb on Thursday. And uh, I, I guess I'll be seeing you sometime in the fall again in person. In golf. I'm going to kick your butt. All right. Well, you know what? I've been throwing out the gauntlet every time we, we have a conversation. And so uh, I'm ready to organize that that event. And you've probably been practicing more than I have. but uh, I've been playing with alligators, so you better watch out. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much again. Leilani, thank you again for coming on the show. What a great conversation. Very inspirational. I'm inspired. Uh, I'm not going to pack it up and sell everything I own and move on and travel the country, but I'm inspired of how you have been building your business. As I mentioned, we've known each other for several years now, and it's so cool to see this evolution that you've been going through and building your business and really helping you grow as, as a CEO and leader of your organization and as an individual. So again, I, I thank you for your time. It, it, it was great for you to commit the hour to us today. And I look forward to the next conversation. Maybe when you get back from this journey in the fall, we'll have you back on the show and we can talk about how it concluded. And for those of you that are new to the show, I hope you enjoy this and I hope you become a subscriber. We publish every week and I hope you can learn and there's a lot of great content that we have. We have over 140 different episodes, business leaders like Leilani that you can learn from and helping to shape and grow your business. And if you're not a subscriber, I encourage you to do so. And if your marketing is in a situation that you needed to maybe struggling a little bit about getting the return on investment that you're after, maybe your business needs to scale or you're in situations you want to pivot, I encourage you to take a look at my website, theponzigroup.com. You can see all the different services that we offer from a fractional CMO to outsource marketing and talk, have a, give me a call. We'll have a conversation about how we might be able to help you. But more importantly, I look forward to having you back here at the Business Growth Cafe next week. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon. A chief marketing officer has both the power and the responsibility to drive long-term strategic growth that can ultimately lead to organizational prosperity. And that growth starts with a vision. What is your firm's definition of success? Growth? How will you strategically work towards expansion, for example? Equally important, what is your customer's perception of your firm? And how well do you meet a need or deliver value? When you begin to align your vision with that of your customer, you build a stronger, lasting relationship with them. You see the whole picture, realizing the lifetime value of that customer, as well as the lifetime value you provide. A CMO must look at success with a strategic mindset, looking beyond the transactional. The CMO must understand the customer journey, utilizing the competitive intelligence, embracing and leveraging your unique market insights. If your business is ready for growth and you need a CMO, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, I'd welcome the opportunity to explore the benefits of using a fractional CMO. Visit theponzagroup.com to learn more. 
Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.